Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And here it is fall is in the air. Crisp, beautiful. I am drinking um, a version of a PSL. Gabe What's really a PSL? Pumpkin spice latte, your oh, favorite goodness. thing in the world. PSL. You don't know it Just has call its, it a pumpkin own... spice latte. No, babe. This is common knowledge. Where yeah. have you been? Okay, but you were shaming you are... me the other day for one of those. Because <laughs> no. you, you no, said it's too fake. No, because you like it really sweet with lots of syrup. I, I just like it the way they make it. That's the picture, you know, in Starbucks. There's a picture of it. That's <laughs> what I want. You're like, that's exactly... Well, see, but I, I feel like, like you of all people season, should know so it's I'm... a PSL. Yeah, no. I think that's. I think initials for everything is a little dumb. <laughs> it just so that's keep... just my opinion. No, pretty but let's soon. move on. I mean, you know, because coming up, we've got the RR. So let's talk about what <laughs> that is. What's the RR? Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. The, well, we have two RRs. Okay. We have a rhythms retreat and a renewal retreat. That's so the right. rhythms one is in a couple weeks in Colorado, but the renewal one, which, so that one sold out and we're super pumped. It's going to include horses. So I'm very excited (laughs) about that. And hopefully we will stay on top of them. Um, But then the renewal retreat is here in Franklin in November and we have a few spots left. Yep, It's selling out quick. And that's going to be different than the rhythms one in the sense that, you know, it's two days. We're not going to be doing a bunch of recreation around it, but it's going to be two very intentional days with Kurt Thompson we have some other guests that are going to be with us as well talking about mental health yes. and the neuroscience side of it and just going deep. And I think that moment, I mean, think about it. That's two weeks after our the election. election. We're going to all need counseling which, for two days. I that's think, what this is. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're walking through what looks like it might be a season that's going to be just could create a lot more stress. I mean, people heading into Thanksgiving. I just heard the CDC's recommending people do Zoom for Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? I mean, no, I'm listen, not going to eat turkey with my family over Zoom. <laughs> I know. So I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but, um, but we, CDC, But please, we understand that. Just we can't be with Let our people make family. their own decisions. We don't need recommendations from the government about how to spend our Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> you heard but, it here, folks. <laughs> but two weeks, I mean, this is right before Thanksgiving. It's the weekend before that, the Friday, Saturday. You know, the Harpeth Hotel is beautiful. Frankly, it's just a beautiful town if you've never been here. And the leaves are changing. It's just going to be a great couple of days together, and it's a limited number of people. I mean, you're right. going to meet other people from around the country. We'll be doing it in a good social distanced way, but yes. I think it's just going to be a great experience. And if you haven't signed up and you're thinking about how could you possibly plan yeah. a little bit of a getaway yeah. this yeah. fall, but there's not a lot of those happening. So we would love for you to be a part yeah. of coming Pe- to this one. We're surprised by how many people are jumping in for this because – People want connection. People want to be in the same room, even socially distanced. We want to learn alongside one another. And one thing Kurt Thompson is so brilliant at is group therapy. And we're going to basically get that. He says that the exponential value of healing in a group setting is far greater, far faster, far more efficient than individual over like a long period of time because you you share and then you realize you're not alone. And I so I'm really excited about this um, selfishly <laughs> to yeah. sit in and listen and learn and then also talk about the restorative things we need with all four rhythms. Yeah, and everybody's going to get your new planner, which will be out oh, by yeah. then. So that's, that's right. going to be a part of it. But yes. if you want to register for that, there's a few remaining seats. Go to RebeccaLyons.com 
slash renewal retreat. And you can learn all about that, get all your questions answered, but come be with us. Come be with people. I think that's going to be an important part of kicking off kind of your holiday season this year. And speaking of the planner, thank you for reminding me. I'm excited about that. That comes out October 27th. I've been getting a lot of feedback from you guys. Just excited who read the book, Rhythms of Renewal, that came out a year ago. Crazy. It's had its one-year anniversary, October 1st. And now this is really a, a method and a strategy to implement these rhythms on a daily basis. It's not just a book you read and you liked and you you underlined and then you put it down and forgot about it. It's like, no, you get to actually take agency every single day, set your intention in the morning of what you want to do that day in rhythm. So today we're going to hear from Mary Morantz on her book called Dirt. And I, I have to tell you, that I have a lot of wonderful interviews, but this one was poignant and beautiful, and we both teared up um, several times. And really the message around this is reconciliation, healing, coming from hardship and turning that into perseverance. But in the midst of it all, there's a real beauty in generational grace and peace and forgiveness. And honestly, you just don't want to miss this conversation. It was so moving for me that I'll be talking about it for a long time. So listen in now. Welcome to the show, Mary. Oh my gosh, Rebecca, thank you so much for having me and for making this happen. It means the world. So Are you kidding, girl? Yeah. We have some Connecticut memories yeah. uh, that we were just talking about. Yeah. I lived in and out of Connecticut in my time in New York City for four and a half years, and you are in Connecticut. You just told yeah. me that you drove down, which we, is we amazing. Not you, planned. Your yeah. three babies? Yes. Tell us. We, uh, we had tickets. We had entire flights booked, and the flight home was actually going to be a first-class flight. We were really excited about that. <laughs> but instead, yeah. you're in a minivan with three dogs yeah. driving. <laughs> At the last minute, the, the people who take our dogs couldn't do it, so we rented a very not-fancy minivan. I love it. <laughs> oh, not, I, not live, I live in a not. Yeah. Very fancy minivan. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like down by the river. I mean, it's kind of one of those situations where I got in this morning and there were three banana peels in the console. And I was like, why? Why are the teens driving this car? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm just going to gift it to them when they go to college. Just take the van and all its glory and like, you know, whatever. But I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited about your story. Mm. And I want to jump in to Dirt. This book, this story, this life that you so you're such a gifted writer. Oh, just for the record. I mean, I just want to say that when somebody can put sentences together, like even just the way you did your trailer and just Mm -hmm. how eloquent you are, I mean, that's part of why you went to, you know, Yale. You know, that's like (laughs) that all that's all coming together for me. But let's let's back story for the listener who doesn't know you or might be meeting you for the first time and really wants to hear why you wrote a book called Dirt. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an interesting name, an interesting title. I love it. And, you know, it's so funny because when we came to the table with like the proposal and we were meeting with the publishers and even after I'd signed with my publisher and we went to fly out to meet with them and I was like, yeah, so this, you know, we're calling it the book dirt. We have the hashtag. They were like, hold on. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. We really have to talk about yeah. that and think about that Back and up. have entire meetings about that because – to me, it never there was never any question like what it meant or that it had this really good, deep, rich, dig in connotation. Mm-hmm. But I think they heard and maybe like some people from my hometown mm-hmm. when they first when we first revealed the cover might have heard you hear a title like dirt and it can start to feel like 
oh, so it's going to be like a tell-all or where mm, you're going to get the yeah. dirt. Or it's about gardening. We've yeah. gotten both of those yeah, sure. We're going to get the dirt, yeah. like yeah. the skinny behind the story. Right. Or if it was a gardening book, I would get excited. Yeah. We started gardening this year and I'm I'm like, I have an affection for dirt now, but I think yeah. you have to get your hands dirty to mm. actually feel an affection for yeah. it. Yeah. Which is, I think, part of your point. Yeah. You know, so it's so funny how some things, I don't know if you've had things like this in your life. I'm sure you have, Rebecca, where like, when they happen, it feels like, oh, that was always supposed to be that way. Yeah. It almost feels like it always was that way. But then you're like, I don't really know the moment. I can't trace it back when I started thinking this will be the title for this book. But the mm. earliest I can think is I wrote a talk for a conference about five years ago, and it was titled It Always Started With Dirt. And what I love about you know this concept of it always started with dirt and like what does that mean is – when we really kind of wind it all the way back to the most to the most beginning, we can think about of all the things God could choose to create man out of. You know, you've got air, water, stardust, moonbeams, you know, the universe at his fingertips, and he chose the dust of the ground, yeah, which is really just dirt. And mm-hmm. I think about him leaning down to breathe life into this dirt and like the vapor of his breath mixing with the dust of the ground, and it becomes this very muddy. Yeah. Beginning. Yeah. So take us back to the beginning, your story of how you grew up, rural. Yeah. I grew up in a single wide trailer that my parents bought in like 1978. And single wide trailers, especially 1970 single wide trailers, are just sort of like oversized tin cans. You know, they're all aluminum. The roof is all aluminum. And I do not think they're built to last. But for a lot of people, they do end up staying in them for a very long time. And, you know, we would like, as kids, we were just climbing on things all the time. So we'd mm-hmm. climb up on the roof and run around and climb up on the woodshed and run around. And so a tin roof with people running around on it yeah. isn't going to last very long. And so it started leaking and the ceiling. I always say like my people are the people who know what drywall or whatever ceilings are yeah. made of look like right before they crumble. Right. Um, wow. Like that, like that soaked solid, that saturated with water. So and they're about how many to siblings crumble. did you have? Just me. Just you. Just and me. then how, yeah. how long were you there? Like what years to what years? Um, 1980 to 1998. So you were there from birth to 18. you left Yeah, home. I left for college. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And there's actually a part in dirt I wanted to tell you about when you said, like, I've gotten into gardening and I, I actually love how that feeling of dirt on my, you know, getting your hands dirty. There's a part in dirt in chapter one where I say, when I was little, God would come down from the stars and hover outside the window close enough to leave breath on the breath marks on the glass. And shortly after that, he started meeting me in the daylight hours. And once he did that, he was everywhere. He was mm. in the color of the grass down to the very pigment. He was mm. in the birds stepping into flight free from the tether of their branches. He was in the way that the sun on your face, even when you closed your eyes, you could feel that fire. And he was in the way that when you dug your hands in the mud and broke up that cold, hard ground, even after you washed your hands, you could still feel it. Yeah. As if once it left its mark on you, you couldn't forget how it felt. He was color and freedom and fire and dirt. Yeah. And so for me, like my story kind of started with what it looked like to have God leave fingerprints across my right. life. And he said to me pretty early, this is going to make sense. Yeah. I'm going to put words to it one day. Yeah. You can't see it now, but I need you to hold on to this belief that your story is going to help other people. Right. It's going to be the story you wish you had. So how up. would you frame that story? Would you you say it was the story of growing up in poverty? Was there brokenness? What caused you to stay there for 18 years? Mm. What was the relationship like with your parents? Yeah. With you and your parents, their relationship. What what happened? Yeah, so 
what caused me to stay there from zero to 18 is that was my home. Yeah. That was where my dad was. And my grandma lived next door. My mom was there until I was nine, Mm. uh, which we'll talk about in a second. And, you know, that word poverty is a really slippery word. Yeah. um, Because if you asked my parents or anybody probably where I'm from, we, I I think they would have a hard time saying that was poverty. Yeah. Because it was just sort of like, Everybody, you yeah, know, sort of totally. like that. And I think there, what I've learned in being a grown up, there's so the book is divided in the girl, two parts the girl in the trailer, the girl after the trailer. What I have learned is that there are a lot of different kinds of poverty. I was just going to say that it's relative. There's poverty, poverty of, of house, there's yep. poverty of spirit, there's poverty of parental influence, there's poverty sure. of food. Some people it's are lack. not food secure. It's lack in some area yeah. in our lives. Yeah. So I feel like. Even as a little kid, I knew there was like a poverty of the trailer and I wanted out of that trailer and I hated that trailer. And there's a huge journey of dirt is me getting to a real house mm, with a real roof. Sure. Like that's going to solve everything. But I mean, to exactly. me, it felt like if I could just change that, I would literally sit outside as a little kid with a blue spiral bound notebook and draw the plans mm. for how we were going to transform this trailer into a real house by putting a roof onto it. And I was the one who came up with the idea of having these like wood beams that we like concrete into the ground because the trailer couldn't support a roof built on top of it. So there's actually like spider's legs. So you already had like that construction mindset and you know, yeah, but you know what's interesting, Rebecca, is I actually I was talking to my mom, which when you read the book, you'll know that's a really powerful statement right there. Yeah. Um just so much healing and reconciliation that came out of writing this book. And I said to her, she was like talking about like, oh, it was really hard for me when I first knew that the trailer was going to be on the cover because I look at that roof and how we couldn't get it finished for you and we couldn't make it this Mm. thing that you wanted and it feels like a failure. And I said, you know what? Honestly, when I look at that trailer and the roof in particular, it's a humility point for me because it has become a symbol for the destruction that we can create in our own lives when we try to force what we think the story needs to look like, or we try to force these things, these like band-aids that we think will make us feel different. And I like pressured them into doing it. And then it like in so many ways made it worse because it was like half done and, you know, looks even rougher. And I think probably like caused more leaking in the process. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite sections in Dirt, it's actually, it starts off there once was a blueprint who dreamed of being a real house. Mm. And every day she would draw and redraw her dimensions, try to move like these oblong shapes of uh, a single sink into his and her vanity. So it kind of goes through this whole thing of like, um, there's a certain element of like a Pinocchio or a desire to be like a real, you know, he wants yeah. to be a real boy. Yeah, I wanted to totally. be a real girl with this house. Well, and looking to the external to 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 fix something yeah. internal. Yeah. Tell us about your mom. Yeah. So my mom, um, when she was 15, her mom ended up moving a county away with the kids, uh, the, her other four siblings, and got remarried. And she said to her, you can come with us. But my mom was getting ready. I think she had just turned 16 and she was getting ready to start her like last few years of high school. And she said she knew in her heart that if she moved with them, then she was going to drop out of high school. Mm. Um, And so she decided to stay back just to finish out the year. And her mom said, okay, sounds good. The bills are paid through the end of the month. And there's some canned stewed tomatoes and macaroni shells in the cabinet you know, you're old enough to decide now. She's like 15, 16. Wow. So my mom started cleaning houses, and that's right around the time she met my dad. They got engaged when she was 16, married when she was 17. They had me when she was about 20, going on 21. And so um, I think 
she genuinely did not understand that I thought anything about that trailer was hard because that she grew up in a house with no running water. Yeah. Like it was, a, it was a step up. We had electricity, we had yeah. running water, it was new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to her, she was just genuinely shocked that I ever looked back on it as mm. not ideal. And I think what's interesting and a big journey in the book, there are like seven giant journeys in this book, but one of the big ones is realizing that because of how she grew up, she wanted to go out and build a better life. And if there's anything I can understand, it's that. We both had this drive to get away from the trailer. And so she did that. She left when I was nine. And there's like a very, um, it's very short but it's very it's a very punchy scene in the book called Leaving is a Suitcase. It's open and it's full and then it's closed and it's gone. And that had to be included. I really struggled with that because I did not want to throw anybody under the bus um, or make that hard on anybody. But no way does the rest of my story yeah. and this like achieving and like be more and do better and try harder. None of that makes sense if you don't understand that. The loss. Yeah. Owning the loss. Yeah. Thank you for being brave to do that. Yeah. (laughs) It's always like the thing that's the most painful that we want to cover, right? Or hide or just be like, no, this this actually was trajectory shaping. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that you did. And I'm so grateful that you're brave to do that because when you expose your loss with all the failure and honesty that it requires – it gives permission and freedom for others to do the same. We all yeah. have loss. Like, and a lot of times we just want to sideswipe that and go like, oh, but we overcame it. And like, right. look at all how that pain became purpose and look at what God is doing. Yeah. And it's so wonderful. And and yet like the real grief, like yeah. the honor, honor the grief of the story of loss is a gateway to healing. Mm. Like you can't sideswipe it. You can't overlook it or step around it. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for doing that. Thank you. And I do think it helps us, the listener, the reader, whoever, go, okay, I want I want that kind of courage. Mm-hmm. Actually, I want to go back and face some things yeah. of what is abandonment or mm-hmm. what is neglect or what is um, just feeling alone, yeah. loneliness, you know? That to me is what heals a heart when mm-hmm. we can actually go there. Yeah. So, um, so after that, mm-hmm. you know, into your teen years, yeah. like, did that just kind of create a resolve mm-hmm. that's just like, yeah. all right, like, I'm not going to be left again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That 100%. There's actually a section where it says, after that, I stopped focusing on building roofs and I started focusing on building walls. Um, which is like so. Well, yeah. I mean, know, when yeah. you've been wounded or hurt, yeah. like in that tenderest place and the most tender, vulnerable relationships, yeah. which are family of origin, period, the end. Yeah. That sets the trajectory for our entire lives. Yeah. I start, there's a part in that, um, just to kind of build on that, where I talk about, I've realized I do this thing in my life. When I think someone is about to leave, I determine to go out and build such a beautiful life to do something so wonderful and so great that they're sad that they missed it. Mm. And it says, Really, the, there are a few problems with that. The first is that it reveals my deepest fear, which is that maybe they were right. Maybe they were right to leave. Maybe without all this more, I'm not someone worth staying for. And then the the bigger problem is if we are going to go build a beautiful, one wild and precious life, this revenge is probably not the most fertile ground to build from, this revenge wasteland. And I say it reminds me of a daisy wilting in a scorched earth. Mm. That yes, from a distance, it looks like you're winning. This hope springs eternal in the middle of dry, broken land. But the wilting, withering question remains, how long can we really survive that way? Right. 
building things, growing right. things well, and out of that. And yeah. if, it, if it is intended to prove something, mm. right, to prove yeah. worth, yeah. to prove worthy of love, yeah. worthy of affection, worthy of staying – then you're only as good as your latest accomplishment. Yep. Right? Like that that <laughs> yep. barometer just goes up and down. Trust yeah. me, you are preaching to the choir. I have written about this in all three books yeah. because um, that need to achieve. My friend Shauna Nequist said once, she's like, we all look for love, but we'll settle for significance. Wow. Right? Wow. And That's it just so like rocked me to the core Yeah, because I was like, well, if I can't feel like I'm worthy of love, Maybe I'll be worthy of significance. Yeah. And significance is admired. We'll settle for it. She might have said being admired. Mm. I took it as significance. I'm not sure. I might have butchered it. It was years ago. But in in essence, I had to get to the root of like, why do I long so much for a life of significance? Yeah. What rejection or abandonment am I trying to overcome? Yeah. And and it's when you've walked it, right? Mm. And I think a lot of us have walked it, but it takes hard work to be aware of it. Yep. Because we don't know that we're propelled by revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we're like, no, it's just like, I'm just going to be an overcomer. Yeah. But really getting to the root of maybe bitterness, contempt, mm. something that's so subtle. The reason you know that it's rooted in a foundation that's not secure is that when it's gone, mm. you're right back yep. just trying again harder. Yep. Just, and then once you've found those successes here, there, everywhere, mm-hmm. like Yale, you know, whatever law school, whatever books, like like no matter and, – and the Lord, I, I, I remember this. Um, this is from the second book, but it was like no matter of retreats or likes or followers or book sales or mm-hmm. bestseller lists, it's yeah. going to heal a heart wounded. Yeah. And in the end – I just heard God say in my spirit, public affection cannot heal private rejection. Wow. And that became my mantra like three years ago in getting free because I'm like, if my worth or significance is going to hang on how many people like the podcast or subscribe or whatever, then I will rise and fall Mm -hmm. with the last achievement. Yeah. And in the end, I will not be settled in my soul. Yeah. And I think sometimes God's like, I just want to like – I want to just crush that approval of man mm. because the approval of men and women really is rooted in um, a rejection of yeah. man yeah. and woman. And when we can know that and name it and see the correlation, then we can at least get honest about it. You right. know? Yeah. And I think the more that we talk about that and just not shame it mm-hmm. and just go, hey, A, A went to B and B went to C. Mm. We're not just these malicious, spiteful people that just want to be famous or popular or right. whatever. We just want to be loved. We want to be liked. Yep. We want to be known. Yeah. We want to have communion and be intimate. And part of storytelling is a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part in Dirt that I included very specifically because I wanted people who didn't necessarily have that switch flipped in them where they felt like they had to go achieve or get the likes or the, mm-hmm. you know, all of those markers of success that they 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 looked at people like me, like you, like other achievers around them in their life. And they say, well, I know that there was loss or grief in your story or or like maybe you feel like you didn't come from a lot, but like look at what it turned you into. And like if being really driven and ambitious is the worst thing that happened to you, then like stop complaining. Right. <laughs> and, and I included this part because I wanted people for the first time to truly understand that for people 
like me where that switch has been flipped and achieving achieving is our oxygen. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to know how primal and visceral and and survival it was. And it so is. I said it's a survivor instinct. Yeah, for I said, sure. If, if I were making a joke here, I would say my running from the trailer is like Forrest Gump. They mm-hmm. you they they never tell him when to stop running. They hand him the football. He runs into the end zone. Victory after victory. Like, whoa, gosh, running so hard. Look at all these wins. But it's not like that. I said, my running is like a girl in a red cape running and escaping her way out of the deep, dark woods, the branches clawing at her skin and clothes, leaving breadcrumbs behind her, the big bad wolf ripping at her heels. She runs because if she knows, she knows if she stops running, it just might kill her. Mm. And when I look back over my shoulder, breathless and wild-eyed, I finally see it. I'm the girl in the red cape. But I'm also, also the, the wolf. wolf. Yeah. And that you, voice oh in my head <laughs> telling me to keep running that voice yeah. is mine. We yeah. are we are the ones who condemn ourselves. Yeah. And we would never do it to the girl running next to us, trying no. to get out of the woods. Ever. Mm. But to us. And so yeah. there's a huge part um in writing this book, and it's in the book, where I recognize finally that all of this time I was screaming at little Mary to run faster and get out. And um, dang it. Ooh, you can um, cry, girl. <laughs> I have cried so many times on this podcast. Um, to, you know, just red face and hollering at her beside her and in front of her, dragging her along if I had to. And I never like paused and turned around and just said, um, I'm really sorry. Yeah. That some of this stuff happened, but mm. I couldn't keep you safe. Um, yeah. I'm really sorry for all the times I told you you weren't worthy of love just as you were. Yeah. Um, And there's such a freedom in finally giving the littlest version of you empathy. Yeah. As a child, you know, sometimes when that rejection happens young, you have to go back to that person, the young version of you, and see her for what she was, see her for being innocent, being innocent and kind of subjected to circumstances just like her mother would have been innocent and the mother before that would have been innocent and the mother before that, right? Like all of a sudden you're looking at a generational line of just, just being born, you know, with all the beauty and splendor that God establishes Mm -hmm. in knits in the womb. Yeah. But obviously we are born into a life that is broken. There is, there's wounding, there's sickness, there's disease, there's sin, whatever yeah. that looks like. And it is the honest reconciling that that becomes the grace yeah. that redeems mm-hmm. what is stolen. Yeah, it's so good and so true. And I say that one of the first waves of freedom I ever felt was empathy for little me, mm. but the second wave of freedom was empathy for the littlest versions of my parents. Yes. Like her crooked bangs. Hand yes, cut, you know, home cut yes. crooked bangs running through the woods, him with his like gap between his teeth. My dad went to work in the woods when he was 12. Wow. She was cleaning houses by the time she was 15. And I just think there's something that happens when you get older and you turn yeah. the same age. It's that they exactly were. right. How old were you? I was going to ask you like when you were able to recognize it, how long ago was that for you? Oh gosh. I mean, the 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 truest and straightest answer would be uh, somewhere between draft one and draft two of this yeah. book. Uh, December yeah. of last year, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's been coming. You know, I turned 40 in May and I feel like there's a real intentional timing about this book coming out mm-hmm. the same year I turned 40 because there's just a softening for sure. that happens. And a like a grace and a forgiveness that yeah. happens. So, which is freedom. Forgiveness is the gateway to freedom. And I think I'm so thankful you're talking about this. I a lot of times we don't really talk about like mother daughter mm. relationships. Yeah, it's intended to be the most intimate 
beautiful, just like a father and a son, right? Like mm. that it's intended in, in like its perfection to be, to be the most nurturing, loving thing. So when it falls short of that on any level, yeah, it can be the most damaging and wounding thing. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault. Mm. That's the thing. It's really nobody's fault. Yeah. It's life being hard. I know that when I got older as a mom and then I got to navigate my own failures as mother, as a mother. Mm. Yeah. All of a sudden there was so much room for grace. Yeah. You know, and and even like rethinking my upbringing or re like my dad passed 3 years ago. So of course all this came to the surface yeah. and I had to like really reconcile with what have I harbored mm. um, that has actually propelled me to run so hard and fast for so long? Yeah. And in the end, go, I'm not going to continue to hold this. And I remember one night just being so convicted, like I just kind of wrote out three pages of repentance in my journal of wow. just like, I refuse to carry yes. any withholding yes. from anybody. Yeah. Um, any longer mm-hmm. because actually it's going to, it's going to spill onto my children. It's yeah. going to spill onto their children. And we do, we have an opportunity and invitation no matter how, where we are in our journey to just say, God, I want you to break whatever agreements have been made yeah. subconsciously mm-hmm. um, out of survival. Yeah. I want you to break those mm-hmm. and I want you to restore because you yeah. are, that's who you, that's who you are. That's what you do. Yeah. And if, if all the pain has come for whatever this looks like, because again, I, I think this is, we, we're being very raw right now, yeah. but there is no family untouched by this. Right. Yeah. Right? So I just want to call out and just eliminate the stigma Yeah. that like everybody's happy and everyone's right. in close <laughs> right. relationship and everyone's best friends. Yeah. Yeah. No one is exempt from brokenness in generations passing down to generations to passing down to generations. Yeah, Some might right. look like different versions, mm-hmm. but if someone is restored from it, it's probably because their generation literally took it seriously and was like, I'm no more. Yeah. You know, somebody has to break a line. Somebody has to break a general line, yeah. generational line of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so your willingness to go there, and it's so true, the tenderness that comes at 40. I'm a few years ahead of you. <laughs> I'm about, you know, uh, 40, mid 40s. Let's just say that. Great. And, yeah. <laughs> but I do think just like you, it really began for me yeah. at 40. There's something great about it. Like I always heard people say, oh, like my, the 40s are my favorite. And like, that's when I became really comfortable with my skin. And I was like, really? <laughs> or is that something like, you know, like you we tell ourselves. You comfortable <laughs> enough to face your demons, basically. Yeah. yeah. But I'm telling you, they're like late 30s, and then there was it did feel something like a, a tumbler like snapped into place at 40, where it was just like, I am hopefully going to be around for another 40, 45, yeah. 50 years, and I, I really like this person I'm going to yeah. do life with. I yeah. actually really like her. Yes, you know, yeah. Um, what and a gr- she's gift. a kind person, and she's empathetic, and she's gone through some stuff, and she's still standing. So, mm. um. Yeah, I, I I really actually like I feel differently, mm. um, just with like another birthday. But it just I don't know. Like, mm. there's a country song, "Might Give a Dang's Busted," we'll say, <laughs> um, and I think that happens at forty. Like your people pleasing tank starts to run out, and you just really start to say like, "Who do I want to be?" Yeah, for these years I have left, you know. Well, thank you for your courage, and this is. Go ahead, and we'll just tell people. There's a little tear alert, but. Yeah. <laughs> 
I I just pray that this ministers to people who are listening who might just be estranged from one another. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know how many days we have left. We don't know how many days our parents have left. We don't know how many days our siblings have left. Yeah. And if some of the greatest wounds happen in relationship, then the greatest healing also yeah. happens in relationship. And yeah. thank you. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for sharing. And yeah. um, I'm going to give you having. a tissue here yeah. before we close. <laughs> it's going to be necessary. Yeah. I think the last thing I would just add to that is going into this book, I knew it was going to be an anthem about giving up achieving for your worth. I was surprised that it also, and maybe even more so, became an anthem for reconciliation. And not. And I asked myself, it's so strange that you use that word. You know, a lot of books have been written like this and they tend to end in estrangement. And could a book like this be written and a family actually be closer on the other side? Amen. So. That's so good. Thank you, Mary. Thanks. Isn't she great? I know. That was amazing. I mean, I wasn't in the room for that conversation, but just hearing it, I love how deep you guys went. And I know everybody listening appreciated the authenticity. Yeah, it's about going to the heart. And sometimes it happens really easily with with people in conversation. And I'm glad she was willing to go there. So as we look to the week ahead, make plans. Join us November 20th and 21st in Franklin, Tennessee. Go to RebeccaLyons.com slash Renewal Retreat. And also make sure you grab Mary's book, Dirt, Growing Strong Roots and What Makes the Broken Beautiful. It will touch your heart. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great week.